0: When were the... What school's... Who decides what the next... Where's that story? Why they keep the loop... What is this? It's Curious City. Where WBEZ answers your questions... About Chicago, the region, and its people. Hey, I'm WBEZ reporter Monica Eng, and I want you to think of one of your favorite foods, one that instantly transports you to a happy memory or place in your life. Maybe a favorite holiday dish or that burger near your high school. Now, imagine losing it forever. That's what happened to Nancy Rossman when Mandis the Chicken King closed 40 years ago. It was a place in Portage Park, a spot her dad used to take her to. And Mandis fried up chicken so good that it still haunts her. It was a light, crunchy, absolutely divine chicken sold in just a neighborhood joint. And it was crackly and it was crunchy. And I don't think I've ever eaten chicken that tasted like theirs. So Nancy wrote into Curious City for the recipe and other Chicago favorites. For me, this is a huge challenge. Is it even possible to reconstruct a dish that hasn't been sold in Chicago for more than 40 years? And get it so close that Nancy tastes flavors she hasn't experienced since her childhood. It's not like the recipe's on Google. Finding old recipes is hard. So hard, I called on the help of specialists. Pros. Recipe bounty hunters. Monica Cass Rogers and Bill Daly. Cass Rogers writes a blog called Lost Recipes Found. Daly's a food reporter for the Chicago Tribune, our partner for this story. Here's a highlight reel of their advice. Archives first. Then talk to people who know in in organizations like the Culinary Historians. A, did the restaurant really exist? Sometimes people get the names wrong. Do they have it in the right location? You can do people searches. You might find an obituary. The obituary might list next of kin. I've actually found recipes that way. Suddenly you're talking to them about, oh, your father had this restaurant 40 years ago. Do you remember this recipe? And off you go from there. Okay. Archives, former workers, next of kin... Got it. Right away, this advice gives me traction. I learned that in the early 70s, the Mandis building was taken over by a Persian restaurant called Pars Cove, which later moved to Lincoln Park. That's where I catch owner Max Pars during Dinner Rush. Pars says he briefly served the Mandis-style chicken in his old location. And it was a hit. On Sundays in the park, sometimes I would get maybe 150 orders. People from downtown would order, they would come pick it up. It was good fried chicken. It was good fried chicken. American-style fried chicken. So good, he served it at his Persian place. But he stopped. I got in trouble. We were advertising, man, this chicken. The kids, they came back and they said, no, we cannot do it. Those would be the kids of the deceased owners. And it was 40 years ago. Maybe today they'd help me out. I tracked them down through their father's obits but heard back from just one, Ted Dukas. Dukas worked at Mandis as a teen, and he says, I'm not the first person who's come knocking for the chicken recipe. When we had the restaurant, there were several people who wanted to buy the recipe and were willing to pay money, and my uncle and my father um, didn't want anything to do with that. Ted and his brothers still joke about opening up a restaurant one day, so he can't spill the beans, but he does offer some crumbs. Tell you this, it's not a complicated recipe. There were a couple things they did different. One thing I will tell you, and keep in mind, the restaurant started in the 1940s and back in those days when you deep fried, you used lard. Lard! Right, That explains the nice aroma Nancy remembers. Dukas also confirmed my hunch that the light crust came from a batter. No chance you're going to share that full secret recipe with me. No, unfortunately, I think I would be in big trouble if I did. It's it's going to stay in the family for now. Ugh. Back to research. My recipe pros suggested newspaper archives. And sure enough, I find old Tribune ads where Mandis boasts about a half-fried spring chicken. But where do you find a spring chicken? And what does it even mean? Spring chicken really has no meaning. That's Lee Friedheim, the boss at Kugel Commission Company, where Mandis got their chickens back in the day. At that time, he says spring chicken meant a young, tender bird. But now, when chickens are full grown at 39 days, they're all young and tender. So Friedheim suggests I get a a chicken probably weighing you know around three pounds, which back then they'd call it a spring chicken. Next, lard. I need it from hogs raised the old way, outside, not in some factory farm. And I know just the place, Faith's Farm in Kankakee County, where I get two tubs of pastured heritage breed lard. But I also have two tips from anonymous sources. The first involves vinegar, and it throws me for a loop until I check out this online video called The World's Best Fried Chicken Recipe. Here's my vinegar here. And you're going to pour that onto the chicken. This cook offers the same tip: soak the chicken in vinegar and water before frying. The video says it cleans the chicken. Shake that up. Want to make sure all that funk off that chicken. Get that funk off. Now that we've avoided a funky chicken, I turn to the other tip: make a sour cream batter that sits out overnight. Weird, but okay. I just Along with Tribune cook Lisa Schumacher, we soak the chicken vinegar in vinegar and water, dip it in sour cream and cornstarch batter, and fry it in a pot of lard. Then we invite Nancy to taste. Mm. It's good. It's really good. I think it'd be with making. This has a lot of elements of what I remember. But... If you had that exact fried chicken, I would say I think I could pick it out, and it's not exact. I'll admit it, I'm bummed we blew it. We couldn't match Nancy's childhood memory, and I believe her, she knows her chicken. But even if we'd gotten the exact recipe, Bill Thaley warns there can still be something missing. One thing I question about is, is people remember recipes, but they forget that time can make recipes very golden. And the recipe takes on this sort of aura That it's much more delicious, it's much tastier than maybe it really was. So sometimes, he says, hunger for a recipe is more about a hunger to be back in that special moment in time. But not always. So Nancy, if you want to hunt down those other local dishes, we've got a recipe finding guide at wbez.org/curiouscity. There's also a video of our chicken recipe and links to Monica Cass Rogers and Bill Daly's top lost and found Chicago recipes. Reporting comes from me, Monica Eng, in collaboration with the Chicago Tribune. Curious City is supported by the Doris and Howard Conant Fund for Journalism. Curious City is supported by Wintrust with a network of community banks designed to support and offer resources to business owners and decision makers. More about Wintrust's community banking at Wintrust.com. Next time on Curious City, a mural on a viaduct wall can really spruce up an otherwise dim and dingy place. It was a pleasant diversion from dirty walls and the pigeon droppings. But this woman thinks her neighborhood is missing out. Why can't viaducts on the south side have beautiful murals like at the north side? Why some viaducts miss the artistic touch? That's next time on WBEZ's Curious City. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Line takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Line wherever you get your podcasts. Before we start the show, we here at Curious City want to let you in on a little-known fact about WBEZ. 89% of all our funding comes from community support, including contributions from curious listeners like you. If this program has changed how you see Chicago, please consider supporting this program at wbez.org slash curious. Thank you.